Well, my name is Gary Albright, and I'm the preaching minister here at Shiloh Road. And I want to say thank you for stopping in and checking out one of our sermons. It's my hope that this message will inspire you and help you to follow Jesus more closely during such a difficult time in our country's history. Wherever you find yourself, whatever you're going through, my hope is this message and these words will be a blessing to your life. So this story that we're going to look at this morning is from the prophet Elijah. And Elijah has gone to a king of Israel named Ahab, and he's told him there is going to be a drought. And until he speaks again, there will be no rain that falls on the land. And it goes on for three and a half years. Three and a half years waiting for things to change, waiting for God to show up and do something amazing. Three and a half years. Now think for just a second about your last week. Seven days. Seven days inside, seven days waiting for something to happen. I I don't even want to think about what would it be like if this went on for three and a half years. We, We hope and pray that it won't. We expect that it won't. But could you imagine? And so all of the people are waiting for rain. They're waiting for Elijah to speak this word and for the rain of God to fall on the land. And in 1 Kings 18... It says this, Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go eat and drink, for there is the sound of a heavy rain. I don't see it yet, but I hear the sound of a heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the the top of Mount Carmel. He bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked, and there was nothing. Seven times, Elijah said, go back. Seven times, there, back, there, back. Then, the seventh time, the servant reported A small cloud, as small as a man's hand, rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Well, I know that um, it has been a crazy week and it's amazing how fast things have changed. I got an email from a friend who also preaches um, last Tuesday, not this past Tuesday, but the Tuesday before, and said, what are you going to do with your church about this virus that's going around? And I just said, I think we're just going to send out an email and kind of treat it like we do the flu and tell people to take extra precautions. And by Friday, we were having to say, we're going to cancel our service, we're going to live stream um, like we're doing this morning. And it's amazing how fast things have have spread and how fast things have changed. And the chaos that it's created um, in our stores, in our community, uh, maybe financially with being not able to work because you wait on tables and the restaurants are closed or you work at a gym and they're having to close down. But it's so fascinating right now because we find ourselves in kind of this place of wilderness where we're watching and we're wondering, Is God going to show up? 
Is God going to? And the questions we learn in the wilderness are so important. Where will it end? Or maybe when will it end? How long will this last? And then maybe the biggest question that we ask in the wilderness is, God, where are you in the wilderness? Where is God? Because we're searching for an answer and we're seeking his presence and we're asking for his blessing, but, but at times this dry and vast place that we feel so isolated and so alone becomes overwhelming. It becomes so difficult to just act. And that's why it's so important that we keep pushing forward with all that we have that we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and keep moving towards him. As the Hebrew writer says, that faith is confidence in what we hope for. And it's assurance about what we do not see. It's this idea that we're moving forward and we believe God's blessing is going to come to us and that his presence is with us regardless of what it looks like. No matter how difficult the times seem, God is there, and he's with us, and we're going to keep moving forward. We're going to keep pushing forward. But it's so much easier to see that after the fact. It's so much easier to see God at work after. Several years ago, we did a series called About With Doubt. And in that series, we said that God will take you to places where you haven't, you've chosen not to go in order to produce in you what you're incapable of, of achieving on your own. God will lead you to places you have not chosen to go in order to produce in you what you're incapable of achieving on your own. The Bible calls that grace. And maybe God is moving us in a different direction right now and giving us the opportunity to slow down. But more than that, maybe the opportunity to truly put our faith into practice. That we believe God is good and that he is there and we're going to keep following him regardless of the circumstances and regardless of the situations. Faith is what Elijah the prophet is showing us. If you don't know who Elijah is, he is a prophet of God, and he has been sent to this king of Israel named Ahab. And Ahab marries a, a lady named Jezebel. And Jezebel is trying to kill all of the prophets, and Ahab becomes one of the most ominous, um, frowned-upon kings in all of Israel, in the history of Israel. He does evil in the eyes of the Lord over and over and over and his wife is trying to kill off all the prophets, including this one, Elijah, who they're both looking for because he's the cause of this drought. He's the one that went to Ahab and said, until I speak a word, not any more rain will fall. And it's been three years and they've been waiting and waiting for the rain to fall and for Elijah to speak and they can't find him. And finally, Elijah makes an appearance to Ahab. And he says, we're going to have this showdown on Mount Carmel. And you're going to bring all of your prophets of the god Baal. And we're going to create an altar. And we're going to make sacrifices. And we're going to see which god shows up. Is it going to be the god Baal? Or is it going to be the god of Israel? And the only way we're going to know is the god that answers by fire. That is the true god. And so the prophets of Baal get together and they prepare, prepare their altar and their sacrifice. 
And they begin to wait and they call on Baal and Elijah hears and begins to taunt them. He says, maybe, maybe he's asleep. Maybe he's in the bathroom. Maybe he's not available right now. And day, throughout the day, they call on Baal and Baal does not answer. And finally, as evening approaches, Elijah goes and he prepares the altar and he prepares the sacrifice. And then he has all the people gather around and grab these massive jugs of water that flood the altar because he pours water on the altar that's fixing to be lit on fire, which we all know you don't do. And they've dug a trench around this water, around this altar, and this trench is now filled with water. And the sacrifice and the altar itself are soaked. And Elijah begins to call on God. He says, God, I want you to show up and I want you to see, I want these people to see that you are God in Israel and there is no other. And when Elijah calls on God, fire falls down and it consumes the sacrifice, it consumes the altar, and it soaks up all the water. And the people, the prophets of Baal that are sitting here watching this, everyone falls prostrate. They fall down with their face to the ground and they begin crying out, the Lord, He is God. The Lord is God. And God has shown up in an amazing way. Then Elijah, right after this, climbs up to the top of Mount Carmel. And he sits down and he goes to his knees and he puts his head between his knees and he begins to plead with God, I think. And as he's praying, he sends his servant. He goes, go to the top of Mount Carmel. Go up to the top, and I want you to look out over the sea, and I want you to tell me that there's rain coming. There's going to be rain coming on the land. And he goes up, and the servant comes back, and he says, there is nothing here. There is nothing here. There is nothing here again and again and again. Go back and check. There is nothing there. Go back and check. There is nothing there. And what do you do when it seems like God's promises and God's blessing is invisible? How do you keep going back and looking with faith, trusting that God is going to answer, that God is going to hear your cry, and you continue to go. See, my assumption is so many of you have heard that message before. There's nothing there. You've heard the doctor say there's nothing else that we can do. You've heard the marriage counselor say there's nothing else we can do. You've heard the bank say there's nothing else we can do. How do you have the faith to keep pushing forward when you keep going back and there's nothing there? How do you have the faith that sustains you and allows you to put one foot in front of the other? When you keep going back, and still there's nothing there. You know, Elijah's faith amazes me. Because here is a man who has given the king of Israel 
this word that until he calls on God, it will not rain again. And the people are furious. And the people, especially the king and his wife, are, are looking for rain. And here is Elijah. It says, go look towards the sea as he talks to the servant. And when he went up and looked, the servant comes back and says, there is nothing there. There's nothing there. And he says, go back and look again. And the servant comes back a second time. There is nothing there. Go back and look again. There is nothing there. He continues to send him back And he continues to come with this same message seven times. He sends the servant. And I know for for some of you who are Bible students and, and you look at this and say, well, Gary, it was the number seven and it's the number of completion. Do you think Elijah knew that at this moment? Do you think God told Elijah, hey, here's what we're going to do. You're going to go pray, and then you're going to send this servant seven times so I can make a point so that our theologians later on can point out how significant this is. No, Elijah has no idea. What he does know is he's heard that God is on the move, that God is working, that God is doing something. And even though he can't see it, he trusts and has faith that God is going to come through. And he sends the servant back again. And this time, The seventh time, when the servant comes back, he says to Elijah, a cloud, a cloud as small as a man's hand, is rising from the sea. A cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. It seems pretty insignificant. When you're standing on this massive mountain, And you're looking over this vast sea. And to your back is the wilderness. And yet all you see, the only thing that you have to grasp and have faith in, is this small little cloud. Small as a man's hand. It's rising up over the sea. It seems pretty insignificant. It doesn't seem like it could do much. But that's what faith is. Faith is believing and having confidence in what we don't see. It's having faith and confidence that what looks so insignificant to us can be something that God would use in powerful ways powerful ways. I mean, it seemed pretty insignificant that the widow, just a few chapters earlier, just had a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil, and that's all she had left. But Elijah says, if you're going to trust God, if you'll trust God and make me a loaf of bread out of that, I promise the flour will not run out and the jug of oil will not run dry. It seemed pretty insignificant, but it fed Elijah and this widow and her son For a year plus, it was pretty significant in God's hands. 
It was only five loaves of bread and two fish, and it seemed pretty insignificant. It was just this little boy's lunch, but in the hands of God, when it was broken and blessed, it was something that became so significant and such a blessing to thousands of people gathered that day. It seemed so insignificant. There were 12 ordinary men, fishers, tax collectors, And Jesus went and said, come follow me. And upon me, you're going to build this church and you're going to be a part of what it does. It seems so insignificant the way it starts. But yet 2,000 years later, we are still talking about this message of Jesus because those 12 people were so passionate about what Jesus was doing in the world and that he was bringing life from the dead. It seems so insignificant. Maybe, maybe in our lives, this is one of those times where it seems like there are so many little insignificant things that are happening. As we try to self-quarantine and keep away from each other. What if these little glimmers of hope, the size of a man's hand, start rising up in our world right now? And we see that there's hope coming. And maybe it's not next week, maybe it's next month, maybe it's next year. I don't know. Again, in the wilderness, we ask this question, when and where does it end? We don't know. We're waiting and we're wondering. But we have faith that God is going to show up. We have faith and trust that what Moses found, we will find. That the presence of God is more than enough. So right now it might seem pretty insignificant. It's just a phone call from a friend. But it's that phone call that lifts your spirits. Maybe a good deed for a neighbor to them that seems so insignificant to you, but to them it is hope that is rising. See, we get to be brokers of hope. We get to be dealers of hope. We get to share the message of Jesus Christ with this world. And right now, this time might seem so insignificant to be able to do that. Because we're in our home and we're closed off. But God has given us the beautiful gift of technology. As our world's developed and grown, that we can use, that we can leverage for His glory. And it might seem pretty insignificant right now. But what if right now it's just a small hand, a small cloud the size of a hand that's rising over the sea? It's going to bring rain to this world. So Elijah tells Ahab that the rain is coming. And Ahab goes back to tell Jezebel what Elijah has done how the prophets of Baal are dead, and she vows that she will kill Elijah that day. And so Elijah is forced to flee and takes a day's journey into the wilderness where he finds a broom bush. And I want you to listen to the words of Elijah's prayer. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. He says, I have had enough, Lord. Take my life. 
I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. He says, I've had enough, Lord. This is all I can take. I can't keep going. Now, now you can imagine we're in day seven of this. This has been three and a half years, and Elijah has been obedient to God. He has listened to his voice. He has done what he said. He has torn down the altars. He's confronted Ahab and Jezebel. He has been so faithful to God's call, and now he finds himself in a place where he is having to run for his life, and he is scared to death, and he gets to the end of this, and he says, God, I'm at the end of my rope. I've had enough. I can't take any more of this. Just take my life. I wish I were dead. And it's his obedience that's led him to this place. But I want you to notice and understand what happens next in the story is so important to you and I. Because God does not condemn him. He cares for him. He doesn't find him in this place where he says, I've had enough, and condemn him for saying it. Instead, he cares for him, and he loves him, and he provides for him. Because as Elijah lays down under this tree to sleep, God sends an angel. And the angel taps Elijah on the shoulder and says, get up and eat. And Elijah lifts his head, and he sees some bread on some warm coals and a jar of water. And Elijah eats and drinks and goes back to sleep. And then a second time, the angel comes to him and taps Elijah on the shoulder and says, get up and eat. And again, there's bread and a jar of water. And he eats and he drinks. And strengthened by what God gives him, it says he makes this 40-day journey into the wilderness to the mountain of God. He begins this journey seek the presence of God. Forty days and forty nights he travels. And then in verse 9 it says, There he went into a cave and spent the night, and the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah finds himself in this cave and God calls to him, What are you doing here, And God calls him out of the cave. He calls him out of the cave up onto a mountain where God says, I'm going to show myself to you, where I'm going to pass by. And so Elijah goes up on the mountain to be with God. And then this mighty wind comes and sweeps over where it's tearing the rocks off the mountain. It says that God was not in the wind. And then this earthquake shakes and the foundation of the the rock that he's standing on. And it says that God was not in the earthquake. And then this fire falls from the sky. And it says that God was not in fire. And then comes the sound of a gentle whisper. Some translations will say a still small voice. But God shows up, not in the wind, not in the earthquake, not in the fire, 
but in a gentle whisper. And at this, Elijah goes back to his cave where he covers his face. And again, God asks him, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing? And Elijah again responds, God, I've been faithful to what you called me to do. I've torn down the altars. I've confronted Ahab. I've confronted Jezebel. I've done what you've asked me to do. And yet I find myself here scared to death, running for my life, not sure of what's going to happen. God, where are you? God, I need you to show up because I'm all alone. I find myself isolated and I feel like I'm alone. I was there and I was around people, but yet I was alone because I felt like I was by myself. I was alone. I was isolated even amongst people because I didn't fit in because you called me to be different. And now I've run and now I'm isolated even more because now I'm literally by myself in the wilderness searching for hope and searching for answer and there's no one else. I'm all alone. God gives him some good news. He says, Elijah, you're going to go back into the wilderness. To the, the desert of Damascus. And there you're going to find 7,000 more in Israel who have not bowed their knee to Baal. Elijah, I know you feel all alone. But there are more. I know you feel like you're by yourself. But there are 7,000 more who have remained faithful with you. And they are waiting for you to go back to them. Elijah, you're not alone. What I love so much is how God speaks to Elijah. It's not in the wind. It's not in the earthquake. It's not in the fire. But it is in a gentle whisper. wonder why is it that God speaks in a whisper? Answer. So, so powerful. Because the only time you communicate to someone through a whisper is when you're close side of the room. You can't hear me. But in a whisper, close, there brings intimacy. Elijah, outside of that, you're in the land of fire. God whispers. Some of you need to hear that today. God is there. God is close. And he speaks through a gentle whisper.
love you. And I will provide for you. And I will hold you up. And I won't condemn you. I will care for you. Because I am your father. 